Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Someone a couple weeks ago gave me a great definition of what a parable is. A parable is an earthly story that's told by Jesus with a heavenly meaning. And so that's what a parable is, is that Jesus told a story in order to share a heavenly meaning with us. And I just want you to know today that, that that's why I love telling stories. Somebody says, you know, Pastor Jeff, he always tells stories. Well, I, I just want to teach like Jesus. Amen. And somebody said, well, he, he didn't get it. He's not so deep. <laughs> no, I'm not very deep. That's right. I'm not very deep I, because, you know, I want to be a communicator. A communicator takes a, 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 a difficult truth and makes it simple. And that's what Jesus did. He took a hard truth and he made it simple. And that's what I want to do. And so today, as we look into this parable of the talents, this is one that is like, this is a parable that Jesus shared, and he said, this is the way that it's going to be at the end of our life. When we stand before God, this is what it's going to be like. He said, the kingdom of heaven will be like. And he gives us this story, and I want to give it to you. So he says there's this guy who owns property, and he decides that he's going to leave and he's going to go, his own, he's going to go for a while and be gone from his property for some time. And so he calls in three of his servants, And he gives them orders. He said, I'm going to divide my property among you while I'm gone. And then I'm going to give you a sum of money, which we call a talent. Now, there's a lot of debate of what a talent is. Some believe that that talent could be uh, today's value of $20,000. And so the first one he calls in, he says, I'm going to give you five talents. And that talent, so again, that could be a hundred grand that he gave this person, said, you're going to be in charge of this. Another one he brought in, he gave him two. So that could be 40 grand. And the last one he gave one talent to, which could be 20 grand. And so he entrusted, the Bible said, use that word, he entrusted his property and his money to these people. Again, the picture is this, listen, the picture is this, is that this is what God does for us. And again, this is what it's going to be like when we get before God, he's going to talk to us about the end of life, like he's given these guys These things to entrust, God has given gifts that he's entrusted us with, and we're going to be accountable for them. Amen, everybody? Okay, so we're going to be held accountable. Understand that. So as we look at this parable, there's some things that I want to share with you, and the title that I have today is How to Live a Fulfilled Life. The number one thing that I hear people saying now more than ever is that I don't feel that my life is fulfilled. The great resignation just happened through uh, the pandemic because a lot of people quit their jobs because they did not feel fulfilled in those jobs. And they realized that life is short and I want to do what's meaningful in my life. A lot of this generation that's coming up that is right now that, you know, the millennials and those that beyond them or younger than them are actually looking for purpose. Matter of fact, money does not influence them as much as purpose. They want their lives to make a difference. And I think that every one of us in this room and everyone watching online right now wants our lives to make a difference. Amen? Amen. And so today, I want to talk to you about that. I want to give you three things today 
from this parable that's going to help you have a fulfilled life. And the great thing about a fulfilled life is you can start right where you are. If you're seven or 70, amen, you can start right now today. So the first one I want to share with you is how to have a fulfilled life is number one is step out in faith with your talent. Whatever God has given you, matter of fact, the word talent, when we think about people's abilities, this is where we really get it at from the scripture, is that step out in faith with your talent. Look what the Bible says in Matthew 25, because the point really is all about the guy with the one talent. That's where we're leaning into. That's what Jesus is leaning into. And so this is what he says. He said, but the man who received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. This guy said, you know, he just buries it. He does nothing with it. And look at the response that Jesus gives him. Look what he says in Matthew 25, 26. We see this. He said, his master replied, would you read those next four words out loud with me? You ready? Come on. You wicked, lazy servant. That could be what God says to us. You wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I had not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well, then you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Now, what he's saying is, is that Jesus is saying to this guy, telling a story, he said, you haven't even tried. There's a sin of called passivity. I would say a sin that is called inactivity. That when we say that we're going to do nothing, and that's why, listen, there is this thing about Christianity that people think that they're saved just to be good. No, no, no. You're not saved just to be good. You know what that means? is When people say I'm saved to be good, that means, you know, I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't run around with those who do. You know, it's like, I'm going to isolate myself from the world. I'm not going to get involved. With... No, 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 no. You're not saved just to be good. You are saved to do good. Yeah. Amen, everybody? Yeah. That's right. You're saved to do good. And so, again, looking at the story, what we find out is this, is that the point is, is that God is saying, that God is saying to this guy, is that I cannot please God playing it safe with my life. Playing it safe is never, ever fulfilling. It's never what God intended us because if you're going to have to, if you're going to have faith, faith is risk, everybody. Amen. It, it means faith means I'm taking a risk with God. I'm going to do what's uncomfortable. I'm going to take some risk with God. And that's what faith really is. Now, why does God want us to take risks? Because the Bible says, it's not on your outline, but Hebrews 11 and 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. In other words, unless you take some risk with your faith, you can't please God. With, unless you say, I'm going to step out, I'm going to do some things that's uncomfortable to me because I'm going to take some risk with God. I can't please God. I have to take some risk. And there's risk that we must take. You know, uh, some, so many people say, you know, well, well I, just, uh, I just want to be very, very careful. Well, I want to tell you something. I would rather attempt something great and fail than not to attempt anything and succeed. Amen? Matter of fact, I would tell you, I told Rhonda a long time ago, I was like, listen, this is what I want on my tombstone when I die. I've told her this, but I've changed my mind. I'm going to tell you the first thing. I'm going to tell you what I changed my mind to. The first thing I told her was this. I want you to put on my tombstone, I told you I was sick. 
That was a, but I've changed my mind. Now what I want to put on my tombstone is this. At least I tried. At least I tried. Amen, everybody. At least I tried. And I think that's where, I think that's where the problem lies right now. We keep talking about people don't want to work and people don't want to do this. Why? Because they were scared to, tr- they're scared to try anything. Amen. We, we have, we, it's, it's like we have this fear-filled society that we live in. We tell everybody, don't try anything. The reason that people, that children now are waiting until they're 30 years old to get married, even if they get married then, is because we scared them to death. We've said, oh my God, these kids drive me crazy. Oh, you know, you can't trust him and you can't trust her. And and, oh, you don't need to do that. Oh, you need to be very careful. We have scared our children to death. Scared them to death. Listen, marriage is a risk, everybody. It's a risk. It's a faith risk. And and you're risking it when you say, I'm going to join myself to you and and live the rest of my life with you. And well, it's a risk. But let me tell you something. If you do it God's way, it's a risk. It will pay off in big dividends. Amen? Amen. We've scared, we've scared our children so much that they don't want to have children now. It's a risk. What if they turn out bad? What if they do this? What if they're going to do this and that? Amen. That's the way it is. But the greatest reward on earth is having a child and having a, a child to love because it teaches you to be unselfish. And you learn your greatest lessons by having children. And if you, don't, if you really want to know how to love, have a baby. Amen. You know, when, when Rhonda was expecting uh, our son, our first child, I remember her being, you know, she was so attached. I mean, I could remember her, you know, saying, oh, he's moving. And I would go over and put my hand on her stomach and I'd feel his little foot. And I thought that was great. But she had a deeper love than I had for our son before he was born. But once, once we got to the hospital and after 80 hours of labor, it seemed like, <laughs> her threatening my life many times. You know, uh, but it was so long. And, but after that, he was born. It was all of a sudden, I, I said, I will die for this little human being right here. They, they can do nothing for me. See, that's how you learn how to love. Having children is a risk. And, and we, should, we, should not, we shouldn't teach our children to put that risk off. No, it's a risk that pays off that you learn how to love and grow. And life is a risk, everybody. Listen, joining a church is a risk. Somebody may hurt you. It's a risk, but it pays off. You know, live right now, going through financial peace, and that small group is a risk. You might learn something that changes you and makes you better. That's the risk, everybody. And it's worth it. And going to small group is a risk. And going to church is a risk. And living every day is a risk. Going to work is a risk. But God, we got to have, we got to have faith in our lives. We got to take risk. Amen, everybody. You can't live without risk. Listen, we're going to step out in faith, and that's what I'm trying to tell you, is risk some things for God. Life is a risk. Why not just settle settle in your life that you're going to risk it with God? Amen. Amen. When you get in your car and you leave, it's a risk. It's a risk. You know, yesterday, yesterday evening, I was visiting someone at the hospital, 
and somebody come to visit someone and, and they fell at the hospital and hurt themselves and me and someone was trying to get them a wheelchair. The, going to the hospital to visit someone was a risk. Okay. The greatest risk you can take is Jesus Christ. Following Jesus is a risk, everybody. Oh, I'm going to be criticized and I'm going to, not everybody's going to like me. That's okay. It's, a, it's worth taking the risk. He, he's made a lot more out of me than I could ever make out of me. Amen. He's made a lot more out of me than my parents can make out of me. He's made a lot more out of me than the local sheriff can make out of me. He's made something out of me and he'll make something out of you. And it's worth the risk with Jesus Christ. If you don't know him, if you don't know him, you need him because he's always working for you. Amen. Let me stop right here. Let's just pray the prayer because there's so many in this room right now that need Jesus in their life. And there's so many watching right now. So you just pray this prayer. You don't have to say it out loud. Dear Lord Jesus, I want to risk my life in your hands. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to live the way you want me to live. Oh God, you call the shots. I thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give God a hand for all those that prayed that prayer. For those of you in the room that prayed the prayer today, just check the box that I prayed the prayer to become a Christ follower so we can send you something in that. Uh, and, and listen, every week people, every week people do this. And I want to say thank you for turning in your cards, everybody, because we get to pray over your family. We think you're worth praying over. So please drop that in the bucket on the way out. The second thing is this, is too, is if we're going to live a fulfilled life, we have to take risks with God. And then the second one is, is we have to decide to be a courageous Christian, a courageous Christian. We have to, fear causes us to, to excuse, us, excuse ourselves and do nothing. The reason that we're struggling in the workforce right now is fear. Everybody's afraid. You know, these younger people are afraid because we, we've scared them to death about life and they're afraid to get out there and go. And so we have to get rid of the fear. Look what, look what he says here in Matthew 25 in this parable. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I know that you're a hard man harvesting have a uh, hard man harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was what, everybody? So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. You know what's amazing? Fear makes you, fear will make you excuse yourself for doing nothing. But God holds you accountable. And that's what this talent's all about. You know what he did? Jesus said, this man took his finger and put it in that guy's face and said, let me tell you something. You're such a hard man. It's your fault. If you hadn't been such a hard man, I would have done, I would have done some of this, but I was afraid of you. So you're hard. It's your fault. See what fear does. Fear makes you always blame everybody else. Amen. And fear will make you become so stale in your life. And we got to be courageous people. Amen. We got to, we got to have some backbone about us and we got to make some stands and we got to put some stakes in the ground and we got to charge hell with a water pistol. Amen. Okay, nobody, not everybody's ready to go with that. <laughs> the devil, the devil will do two things. He will tell you two things. The devil's favorite tactics are this. I got them on your outline. You might want to circle this first word of self-doubt. Self-doubt. 
You see, the, the fear of failure, it's the story. I love the story of the Bible. I love the story of Moses. How many of you, how many of you love the story of Moses, how God brought him across the, the Red Sea on dry ground? I love that. I love it. In the old movies, of, of they stretches out that rod and God parts the sea. It's not a movie. It's a true story that they made a movie out of. And I love that. I love that. I love how God used him. And then, but the Bible says that Moses, Moses died. And when Moses died, something happened is that all of a sudden they started mourning. I mean, they had a funeral for him that lasted 40 days. They had a 40-day funeral. Oh, my goodness. Even God got tired of it. <laughs> he did. You, you read the Bible, people. Hey, God got tired of it. He said, oh, he's finally said, hey, my servant Moses is dead now. Okay, he's dead. He ain't coming back. You can keep crying all you want, but he's not coming back. And then God tells them this to Joshua. He says, Joshua, it's time to do this. It's time for you to go across this Jordan River. Joshua didn't have to cross the Red Sea, but they had to cross the Jordan River. That was at flood stage. And God says, you've got to cross the river to go take the land that I'm giving you. In other words, you've got to be strong. Look what he says to Joshua. He says, have I not commanded you be strong in what, everybody? Courageous. Do not be terrified and do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be what, everybody? He'll be with you wherever you go. See, courage is this. Courage is having fearful thoughts and feeling the emotions of fear, but moving ahead anyways. Did you hear that, everybody? Courage, courage, courage is feeling the fear. Courage is having all the fearful thoughts, but doing, moving ahead anyways, being scared to death, but going forward anyways. Why? Because there's something more important on the other side of your fear. Amen? Let me tell you something. When you break through that fear, when you have courage in your life and you begin to move forward in spite of your fear, it changes your family tree. Amen? Your children no longer will be intimidated by the world, but when they see you taking these courageous steps of faith and moving forward, on God's principles and God's word. It changes them. It changes everybody around you. Be courageous. Then the other one the devil does is, and you might want to circle that, is self-pity. Self-pity. Oh, too many past failures. Too many past failures. And see, today, there's two examples of this. The example that we have with Jesus is the one that, that people that dealt with Jesus was Judas. Judas betrayed Jesus. And he, let, and, and he let his guilt just overwhelm him. That's all he thought about. It led him to deep depression to the point he committed suicide. Simon Peter, the other follower of Jesus, he betrayed Jesus. He, he sat there and said, I don't know the man. Three times he denied him. But yet, what did he do? He confessed his sin. He wept bitterly. And God used him 50 days later that he would begin to pray. He would pray and, and he would preach and, and 3,000 people would get saved. Only 50 days later. It's amazing 
how that when you become courageous, how God will use you and you can't let the devil throw all your past in your face. Amen. Because he will do everything to remind you of all your past failures to keep you anchored right now where you are. And I'm telling you that God is not about your past. God can't change your past. You can't change your past, but God can move you beyond your past into the future. But you have to be courageous because every time you start to take a step forward, those thoughts, those fearful thoughts come back. Oh, what if they do that? What if this happens again? What if I get hurt again? What if? Well, listen, my friend, it may happen. I don't know. But all I know, the best thing to do is always take a step forward with God and move on. Amen. Move on. Be courageous. Be courageous. You see, it doesn't matter so much where, you, where you've been. What matters is this, is what direction your feet are headed right now. Amen? Oh, don't talk about where I've been. Let's talk about where I'm going. Amen? It's courageous. It's courageous. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. I love this verse. Created in Christ Jesus to do what, everybody? Good works there. You can't read the Bible and get away from that. Good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Oh, I love it that this, you know, we've been asking a question here. What's the question we've been asking everybody? What good can I do today? I'm so thankful that this is not just stopping with us, but it's making it to the next generation. I saw this post on social media, Miss Ella Salmon put this picture up. Look at this, this is her picture of Ella and look what she put on her whiteboard, everybody. Look at that. Isn't that awesome, everybody? She's eight years old. And that's what she wrote on her little whiteboard. I want to say today, thank God for those people, for that message getting down, because that's the question. What good can I do today? Because we're created to do good. And when you don't know what else to do, you do good. Amen. When you're stuck like Chuck and you don't know what to do, you do good. Amen. You just keep doing good. When you're in your marriage and you don't know what to do, you do good. You know, when, when your family is rebelling against you, when your children are rebelling, you just keep doing good. Amen. It's amazing how it changes everything. It changes everything. And you know what? How we do good is because we love people. We love people. We said our definition of love is that we don't, we, love is not feeling good toward you. You know that, understand, right? It's not a feeling. Love's not a feeling. Because feelings come and go, right? That's right. Ask Rhonda. Some days she says, feels so good toward me. But other days she wants to get rid of me. <laughs> Just like you. See, see, feelings. See, we said this, that love is this. Love is doing good for other people no matter how I feel. Amen, everybody? Doesn't matter what you do to me, I'm still going to do good to you. I don't have to like you. I was meeting with one of our county officials this week, and I said, listen, I just want you to know something, that I might not always like you, but I'm always going to love you. They looked at me and said, what does that mean? I said, that means this, if we totally disagree on a lot of issues, that means if you're driving in your car and you wreck, I'm going to go and I'm going to pull you out of your car, whether I like you or not. I love you. Amen. I'm not going to wish you bad. I'm going to do good to you no matter how I feel. And that's love. And love changes everything. When uh, Tani and I was interviewing uh, Misa to come and work with me as, as our first impressions and assisting me. And uh, I said, Misa, the bottom line is this. I want to know. I looked at her. I want to know, will you love me, Misa? Will you love me? She said, Pastor, I don't know you that well. (laughs) 
I knew right then I wanted to hire her. Right then, as soon as she said that, I said, we need that kind of wit around here. And what I was saying to her was this, is that will you do good for me in those moments that you're going to disagree with me? In the moments that I'm going to have to give correction to you, will you still love me? That's what I want to know. And that's what biblical love is. Amen, everybody? It's doing good. It takes courageous Christians. As Christians, we need to be courageous. So I want to, on your connection card here, I want everybody to check this box at will. It says, I will do my best to love others by doing good no matter how I feel. That's a drum that we're going to keep beating and beating and beating because it, is, it changes our lives. The third thing I would like, oh, let me just say this before I move on. You know what I thought about our church? We are a church that love is building. Did you hear that, everybody? We are a church that love is building because we said it doesn't matter who you are, we're going to love you anyways. We're going to do good for you no matter how we feel. That's right. No matter how we feel, we're going to do good towards you. and, And again, we're changing our, you understand that our church is changing our community, don't you? Uh, they they know about Stockbridge community, I'm telling you. Because why? Because we said to our community, we're going to love you no matter how we feel. And no matter how you feel about us, we're going to keep loving you. And God is using us to penetrate things in our community that never been changed before. Our, our community has become, because of you, it's becoming united like never before. It's amazing how all these entities are trying to divide us. But because we keep loving our community, you keep showing up on serve Saturdays and loving people. It's amazing how you're changing our community. Isn't that amazing, everybody? Being used by God. Let me give you the third thing. Number three is this, is know you will be rewarded. So take risk of faith. We've got to take risk. We know how to take business risks, but we, can, we know how to take other risks. We've got to have risk with God. We have to be courageous Christians, strong in what God's word says, standing on God's word. And then we know that you'll be rewarded. Look what God said to the person who increased their talent. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Listen to this. Three things he said you're going to be rewarded. Number one, when you use your talent for God and you take risks with it. Again, faith is risk. When you take those risks, he says, Jesus is going to say, well done. Good job. He's going to look at you and he's going to say, right here's Tanya. He's going to say, Tanya, good job. You did good. He's going to say, you know, he's going to say right back there, there's Pastor Chesney. He's going to say, good job, Chesney. Danny, he's going to say, good job. Rich, he's going to say, good job. You know, I want you to know, uh, Aiden, he's going to say, good job. Well done. Well done. You know, to all of you that come in and rock babies in our nursery, he's going to say, good job. All of you that, all of you that stand in that parking lot out there, get risk, risk your life. That is a risk out there. I've seen these people drive. That's a risk of faith. He's going to say, well done. Good job. And then he says, what's, what's going to happen after that is that you can expect more. You can expect more. Because you're going to be rewarded. And when you use what God has given you, he will give you more. Some people will not ever receive more because they're not doing anything with what they already have. He that can be trusted with little can be trusted with much. Amen? 
Amen. It takes risk. It takes risk. It takes courage. But you will be rewarded. The third thing is that I would say that he says this. He says, you'll be happy. There's a, you will never. The greatest happiness comes when you're satisfied in your relationship. In other words, when you are living for God the best that you can. And that you're doing all that you can for other people. That is happiness, everybody. That's happiness. Happiness is not about you. It's about others. When you find yourself serving other people, that's when you're going to be happy. Because it feels good to do good. It feels good to do good. You know, I love chocolate cake. But after about the second piece, I'm done. You know, as a matter of fact, I'm done for a while because acid reflux kicks in. Some of you have no idea what that is. Just wait, it'll come. But you know what? I can only eat, but I love giving it away. Say, hey, try a piece of this. Try. I get more joy out of watching other people have a good experience in my own self. And that's what you're created to do. I want to say this to you. The thing about this parable that scares me to death is at the end of it, Jesus said, the man with the one talent, he stood before God. And God said, you wicked and lazy servant, and kicked him out. He did not make it into heaven. He didn't make it into heaven. I mean, it's just amazing how Jesus is so serious about this. You know, this deal about just saying a one-time prayer and living any way that you want to live and go to heaven, that's not real, people. That's not real. No, followers of Jesus make it to heaven. I want to do something with you real quickly as we get ready to close our service. I'd like, why don't you just close your eyes? Those that are watching online, just close your eyes right where you are. I want you to imagine this with me because this is how you find a fulfilled life and purpose life. Would you just imagine with me now that, that you're going to a funeral home because someone you know has passed away? And as you walk into this funeral home, you're beginning to hear chatter, people talking. You're seeing people that you're very familiar with, your family, your friends are all there. And you begin to walk up toward the casket and you begin to look at the person that's there and you see yourself. It's you, it's your funeral. The question I wanna ask you right now is you're looking at yourself and as your spouse walks by, what do you want them to say about you at that moment? Now your children are walking by. What do you want them to say at that moment? Your parents are walking by. What do you want them to say at that moment? Your friends are walking by. What do you want them to say about you in that moment? Your church members are walking by. And what do you want them to say about you in that moment? You can open up your eyes now. You see, what I've just taught you is purpose. Because whatever you want them to say then, you've got to do now. Did you hear that, everybody? Most importantly, I did not say is, what do you want God to say? Because you're going to meet Him. And that moment that other, other people are looking at you, you've already met your Maker, and you're going to spend eternity one or two places. And either you're going to hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant, or you're going to hear Him say, depart from me, I never knew you. What do you want Him to say? 
And that's the way we've got to start living our lives, everybody, by what we want people to say when we leave here. That's how you find purpose. I did this exercise several years ago. Oh, probably 30 years ago. And I decided that when I leave this world, when Rhonda walks by my casket, I wanted to say that Jeff loved me. He loved me. He was in front of people all his life. He's a public figure, but he loved me and he took care of me and he made me feel special. I want my children, when they walk by to say, my dad was a man of integrity. He stood for what he believed in. We may not have always agreed, but dad was solid. He was a strong Christian and he stood for truth. Because of my dad, I'm better. I want him to say that. And I thought about you. When you walk by my casket, I want you to say, my pastor loved me. And he gave his very best to every week in and week out to help me get better. And I hope to God that you could say, that my life's better because God's in a pastor my way that cared for me. That's my prayer. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.